Welcome to Neighborly, the house for bad children. House number 39, Little Street. Ava was good at pretending to sleep, as the lumbering shapes of her mother's creaked the floorboards at the threshold of her bedroom. She would be closed up tight, thin duvet pulled under her shuttered eyes, covering a grin that she could never slacken convincingly enough to show. Their yawning forms were convinced without fail, and they trundled off to sleep on opposite sides of their expanse of a bed. They both snored. One of the sounds was round and low, the other reedy and high. She waited until she could hear them both before she let her own sock-shod feet disturb the floor. She beelined for the kitchen, checking the grand black clock slivers of hands, and they were always just before midnight. It was a point of pride for her that she had never been late. Those last few minutes of waiting trickled by in agony. She was never sure if she should get out the snacks beforehand or not. Some nights, when there were a lot of minutes to sift through, she would clamber onto and down from the kitchen counter upwards of a dozen times, transferring snacks from the cupboard to the table and back again in indecision. But eventually, she would leave them back. Her friends seemed to enjoy the search even more than the treats. Oh wait, she'd forgotten something. And only a minute to go, that's not much time. Balancing haste and silence, she dashed back to her room and retrieved from the bottom of her toy box a long white sheet with two holes cut out for eyes. She went back to the kitchen before pulling it over her head, because walking too much while wearing it made her liable to trip, and just as she was positioning it nicely, there was a knock at the glass kitchen door. She reached out from under the sheet and pulled the eye holes properly into place, so she could see a matching little figure behind her reflection in the glass. She turned the key in the lock and opened the door, and the second bedsheet ghost stepped into her home. Hello, she said. The girl didn't say anything to her at first. That was normal. Her sheet was a little bit loose, so in the midnight kitchen shaded from the moonlight, she seemed to be simply a shadow with a sheet over it. She looked around the room, not meeting Ava's eye until she had seen that everything was as it had been the night before. And when she finally looked at her, Ava felt rather than saw her mischievous grin. Dark time, the girl whispered. Midnight, Ava whispered back. She nodded. One minute passed. Her little hand stretched out to point at the black clock. Ava frowned. A minute had left them without her noticing. What is time? she asked her. A bouncing ball. It eats play and work all the same and poops out nothing. The words passed as though between nude teeth. They were silly, like wearing your mother's shoes. Ava giggled. The girl grabbed her hand through their sheets. Let's play cosmonauts. Cosmonauts was not played outside. The girl, once in, did not like to go out again until it was time to go. This was disappointing to Ava, who thought this game would be better played out of doors. The two of them climbed on the sofas in the living room. The girl used to climb the cabinets too, but Ava was a cautious child and knew that sometimes plates and picture frames thought it would be better if they were broken in two pieces on the floor, and would take any opportunity to fulfill that dream, which was not something that grown-ups agreed with, so she asked her to stop. They were flying. That was the game. 
The game was that they were cosmonauts doing spacewalks, so they had to fly. This is why Ava wanted it to be an outside game, where the stars were, so that flying among them would not be as pretend. But the girls seemed to think of the outside like Ava thought of baited fish hooks and moldy bread, so she didn't tend to complain in that direction very much. It made the air around her spoil. After a time, the girl would be suddenly finished with cosmonauts, and she would take Ava by the hand back into the kitchen. This was another ritual, like the entry. This was the time when Ava could speak freely because the girl was distracted and her emotions wouldn't affect the flavour of the room. She would clamber up onto the counter and start searching through the cupboards, pulling out some things with reverence and dismissing many more items with disdain, with no consistency in her taste from night to night. Dear, mummy's not buying you anything you like from the shops. The girl grunted and pushed the question away as she removed a vile little bottle of expired Tabasco sauce from shoulder deep in the cupboard with an appreciative hum. How far did you have to walk to get here? She barely reacted, instead snorting with derision at a croissant. Did you climb over a fence? No, I dig tunnels. I never climb. Really? Really. It's better to dig. It's easier than climbing. Ava's brow furrowed. But you climb when you're a cosmonaut. But I'm not a cosmonaut, really. And I don't climb any other time than when I'm a cosmonaut with you. It's only fun with you. Children have a knack for seeing through people. No one had ever said to Ava that something was only fun with her. She turned the full beam of her lie detector, a power that all children have, against the statement. She turned it inside out. She found in it nothing strange and marveled at the fact of being liked. The girl had finished gathering her treasure hoard and carried armfuls of things over to the table. One by one, the girl brought each treat up to the sheet where her mouth would be and, squinting in the dark, Ava couldn't quite tell if she was biting or smelling it, but she couldn't possibly be eating it anyway. Occasionally, she would pass something to Ava and wait for her reaction. Sometimes she would look at it and nod importantly, but if that didn't seem enough, she would bring the item up to her own sheet and sniff. When each piece had been gone through, the girl would leave them on the table. Ava prompted her to at least put them back in their packaging, which she did, but she felt that putting them back in the cupboards might be a bit too much to ask for. After that, sometimes there would be another game. Sometimes Ava would choose it. But sometimes it would be time to go instead. It was never the same time, so it was hard to tell what would happen. Whatever it was going to be, after the treats ritual, the girl would turn Ava around and ask her not to look. And today it seemed that it was time to go, because when Ava turned back around, the girl was gone. Ava tidied up, putting all of the treats back into the cupboard. She removed her sheet and rolled it up in her arms. She crept back to her bedroom and tucked the sheet under the toys in the toy box where it belonged. Then she fell into a dreamless slumber almost immediately like rolling down a cotton wool hill and getting some of it caught inside your brain. And the next day, her real life continued. Her mothers didn't notice that the cupboards had been gone through when they prepared her breakfast the next morning. They spoke to each other in that strange sort of way adults did when they forgot that children know everything, and then lapsed into long silences while staring down into their own cereal bowls. Then, one of them would bundle Ava into the back of her car and bring her to school, where the teachers would call home and mark in a little book whenever she fell asleep in class. Ava wished they wouldn't. When it got to a certain number, she was brought to the doctor, who would bring Ava to a special room to sleep, and Ava didn't like sleepovers. Her friend never came to them, so she always slept right through the night. We're going to have a family chat when we get home, okay? Mama and I have some news. Ava's mummy's face made it look like she was the one with sleeping problems. 
The drive home from school was always faster than the drive there, and when they arrived back home, Ava didn't go inside right away. Her childlike sense of foreboding held her in the front garden, playing with the tall pinwheel stuck in among the plants. Ava, please don't stand in there. I'm worried the plants might get broken. She thought that Ava couldn't hear the quiet smile at her daughter's participation in destruction under the weary words, but she could. She knew. She wished she didn't. Inside, Mama had made them jam sandwiches with the crust cut off, Ava's absolute favourite after-school snack. She served it to her on a saucer from the grand china set kept on the top shelf in the big glass display cabinet in the front room. Mummy came and sat with them. It was like Ava's stuffed toys had grown large and poured their own tea. And it's something they didn't want to tell her. Ava, Mama began, casting a look that wobbled with worry at Mummy. Your Mummy and I have been having arguments. I'm sure you know best, girl. We've been yelling an awful lot, haven't we? Ava nodded at Mummy, because she knew that's what Mummy wanted. So, we have decided that we might have a bit of a better time, not fighting, if we didn't live in the same house together. If we had two different, littler houses, somewhere different. Ava's brows pulled in together like they needed a hug. How would that be better? Mummy looked at Mama. Mama looked at Mummy. Sometimes people just can't live together, no matter how hard they try. We tried really, really hard, but sometimes it's okay to stop. Sometimes the trying hurts. So we have to find a different way to be. Mummy ran her long fingers through Ava's hair. Ava suddenly wished she was strong enough to snap them. The packing for the new littler houses had already started. Now they asked Ava if she would like to help. They hadn't decided where Ava would go, but they assumed it would be with either Mama or Mummy most of the time. Ava disagreed. When her friend came again that night, Ava wanted to tell her. But through the first game, which tonight was Pirates, which is a perfectly respectable game to play indoors, she couldn't get a word in edgewise. Man the cannons, yelled the girl. Ava cast a worried glance upstairs to where her parents slept. Swab the deck! It was only during the snack time that Ava had a moment to speak. Um, excuse me? You're excused, said the girl her sheet near the eye holes gripping onto a wrapped Mars bar. Uh, I mean... She grew lost in the vision of the girl, the way she moved. It occurred to her that her friend was a bit... odd. Not in the manner of her speech or the things she wanted to do, because it is the way of all children to know things and want to act on that knowledge. But in the way that the sheet pulled over her head never caught the air and swished as Avis did. Never snagged or got pulled tight or was tripped on. They weren't really a matched pair of ghosts after all. Ava began to feel swollen and clumsy. My mummy say I'm not going to live in this house anymore. The Mars bar fell to the floor with a sound that no room temperature wrapped Mars bar could possibly make. It had all the gravity of a brick. Why? Mama said, you don't want to play with me anymore? No, no, I do. You'll be somewhere different and won't play with me anymore. No more cosmonauts, no more pirates, no more chefs or builders or witches or princesses at all. But wait, if you just... The games aren't any fun without you. How can I play by myself? Hold on. Just give my mommy's your mum's number, and then you can come over to whichever new littler house I'm in, and we can play all we like. No! Why not? Suddenly, the girl slipped off the chair and landed standing, the sheet unruffled in the air, grinning. It's time for me to go now. 
Ava was shocked into perfect stillness for a moment, and then her heart sank down like an anchor to the soles of her footy pyjamas. Her friend had never announced her own departure like this, and certainly never seemed to be filled with such zeal for leaving before. But she hid her disappointment rather easily with her covered face. But first, I want you to turn around. She put her hands on Ava's shoulders and twisted her, and Ava did not resist. And count back from ten. Ava obliged. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. And when she turned around, her friend was gone. When the sun rose, Ava fell asleep face first into her cereal. This set off one of the arguments between her mummies that was usually held behind doors about monitoring her sleep. They stood at the counter, adding to the ruckus of the kettle coming to boil with their bickering about nanny cams and baby monitors, and she isn't a fucking baby anymore, Louise, and I thought you were the privacy advocate. What happened to that? Ava's head was heavy, and the milk was starting to look to her eyes like a freshly washed pillowcase when suddenly, of its own accord, the bowl flipped over and shattered on the floor. The argument stopped immediately. Mummy mopped up the mess while Mama picked up the shards of bowl and made sure no milk had gotten on Ava's pinafore. Are you feeling alright, sweetheart? Ava responded kind of how a fish might. Mummy pressed an icy hand onto her forehead. I think you'd better stay home from school today, chicken. You're burning up. I'll stay with her, Mama volunteered. Mummy rolled her eyes. You will in your shh! That set them off again. Eventually, the both of them called in a day each of annual leave and grumbled at each other about it endlessly. Ava wished they had just left her to her own devices. She was good at getting better from being sick and didn't need anyone's help. All day, things went wrong. Mama and Mummy put her in their bed, which was big and comfortable. They pulled the thick curtains closed and tucked her in. The room was black as pitch, and she strained to see their faces. Hopefully you can get some sleep now, Mama whispered. But as soon as she and Mummy thought they were out of earshot, the row started up again. Ava tried pushing her fingers in her ears as hard as she could, and covering her head with a pillow, but it was no use. No matter what she did, the words seeped poisonously through the walls like pus and soaked their way through the bedclothes and into her ears. Words about work and money and cameras and sleep and school and Ava. She groaned, almost hoping that they would hear, but not wanting them to argue even more about her. Then she heard a loud rip, and a dagger of light exploded across the room, glowing milky red and cracked with capillaries through her closed eyes. She opened them. The curtains across from her were in a heap on the floor. She could see out the road to the girl who had taken to standing out there with her back to the house, and all the birds that had settled on the front lawn. The light hurt her eyes. She cried out and Mummy came into the room. Oh no, what happened? Were you trying to open them? Her eyes went from Ava to the curtains and back quizzically. Ava opened her mouth to speak, then closed it and shook her head. Her mummy's lips closed into a line, and she took the curtain from the ground and threw it over the rail. It wasn't as dark, but it worked for now. Then she went down the hall and spoke to Mama quietly. The two of them returned and lay on the bed with her, watching over her, and after a long while she drifted away into a warm and dreamless sleep. She awoke with a start 
to a noise. She was alone in the bed. Her mummies had gone. What noise was it? Psst, said the noise. It was coming from the darkest corner of the room. It was a round shape. A round shape with flowing edges like a piece of fabric with holes cut out for the eyes. It was her friend. Hello, said the girl through smiling teeth. Hi, said Ava weakly. And then, as an apology for not being in the sheet, it's the daytime. I know, the girl declared. I'm here to help. I'm good at getting better. I don't need help, Ava mumbled. What? Oh, not that. I'm going to help you not move away. Ava frowned. How are you going to do that? The air was grinning again. There was a glimmer of wickedness behind the sheet's eye hole that Ava strained to see in the dim light. Her friend almost shimmered. Watch me! Gracefully, the bedsheet ghost figure of the girl sprinted around the bed and at the door. Ava sleepily thought, though it must have been a trick of the light, an ill mind, and the speed at which she was moving, that she could almost see through the girl as she passed by the torn curtain. She didn't want to, but Ava scrambled to the precipice of the bed and let herself drop stumbling to the hardwood floor. She wobbled to the door and pulled it open, and crept down the hall. Her parents had the TV on in the living room. It felt like they were trying not to argue, and had decided the best way to achieve that was to stop speaking altogether. She saw the back of their heads and made sure the girl was not in that room before heading towards the kitchen. The girl was right there. And she was definitely transparent. And in the light, Ava could see that, really, there wasn't anything to her besides the sheet. She wanted to scream, or cry, or maybe collapse into a heap on the floor like the curtain had, but she was far too tired for that. She wrestled down the yawn building up in her throat and stared instead at the hovering girl. Here's how we'll do it, she began, dictating the rules of her newest game. You go through the cupboards like treat time, but open and destroy all of it. Crush it and spit on it, smash it and break it and spill it. And the same with all the stuff that isn't for eating. Plates and pots and forks and glasses. And if you can't eat something, pass it to me and I'll do it. Meanwhile, I'll make an even bigger mess. And it will be a mess the neighbours can see. It will be the kind of mess you can't do by yourself, so you're welcome for that. And then when your mammies come in, we will tell them that it's all your fault. Why? whined Ava, horrified. Because then you'll get to stay. The girl giggled and did a loop-de-loop -loop in the air. The sheet did not upturn. It wasn't a sheet. What? Ava's eyes were huge and desperate. She clung to her hope she begged to understand. Oh, silly, the girl cooed. This is the house for bad children. Mammies and daddies, grown-ups only take good children with them to new houses. Bad children stay in this house that's for them, and the house lets them stay. Letting you stay in a place is a kind of love. And for bad children, you take whatever love you can pull out of the world. No, cried Ava, alarmed, but the girl had already started. The cupboard doors ripped off their hinges, their contents pouring out in shards and litter. There, offered the girl. I've even made a start for you. No! But Ava was interrupted in her protest by a low noise. The girl had turned her back on her and was looking at the glass kitchen doors towards the garden, where a great ridge of earth was tearing right through the middle, black wet dirt slopping against the shed and all over the fence post. And from the scab on the lawn, there emerged a thick swarm of the filthiest rats Ava could have ever dreamt of, pouring out of the garden in streams and attacking the house, burrowing through brick to get inside. They rushed around at the mess that had poured out of the cupboards, and when Ava looked up, she felt the full force of the girl's glare boring through her face. Why haven't you started on your part yet? I... I... I'm doing all the work! I... I uh, 
It's not fun if I don't do it with you. I don't want to, Ava shouted. I don't want to make a mess. I don't want to stay here with you. I'm going to the littler houses with my mammies who love me. I'm not a bad child, and I won't live in the house for bad children anymore. I'm going to go away and leave you. You're not my friend. Go away. The girl was the sheet, and the sheet didn't have a mouth or eyes, but the girl was sad. And then she was gone. Ava, Ava, are you all right? What happened? She didn't even try to explain. She just cried and hugged them. And they looked at each other and hugged her back. The damage to the property slowed the moving down considerably. Rat traps, landscaping, and two new sets of dishes were expensive and time-consuming. But Mama and Mummy never breathed the word of complaint to little Ava. They pet her hair and looked worriedly at each other. And they continued packing their lives into two sets of boxes. But Ava's brow didn't crease as much at them as it used to. She would still don her sheet each night, still wait in the kitchen for the clock to strike twelve. But each time she went back to bed soon after with no one to play with. After a while, she stopped trying. Mama spent time in the phone and told Ava she found a nice lady to talk to about all her problems and all her thoughts, and Ava nodded. It was nice to be thought about. On their last day in house number 39, the car door closed, just as Ava buckled up her seatbelt in the car behind Mama. Mummy buckled her seatbelt in the other car and gave her a thumbs up before going off ahead of them. And just as Ava was leaving herself, she turned looking back at the place she had called home for her whole life for the final time, feeling it settle on her that she would never lay eyes on that place again, and saw a figure in the window, looking back at her, draped in a sheet. Mama couldn't get her to sit right in the chair for the whole car ride. Ghosts really haunt any old thing. What? You... Shut up. Shut up. You're... I don't know why this is the first time, or why now, or even... Christ, why I even want to speak to you. But I have something I want to say to you, and you're gonna bloody well listen. If you try anything, if you so much as take a loud step, I'll... Oh, shut up! Oh, don't touch me! Look, I need you to know that... I forgive you. But I will never forgive you for forgiving yourself. Stop this. I know what you're doing and this won't work on me. You don't know me. You're an illusion meant to confuse me and drive me to ruin, but it won't work. It won't work. If you have demands, make them, and I will answer with a clear head. And then you will leave and forget how you found your way here. Now who isn't making sense? This is a waste of time. I need some time to cool off. I'd forgotten how completely insufferable you can be. How arrogant. There's nothing I want that you can give me. You've proven that time and time again. Go. Go then. Get back behind your door. You saw nothing and know nothing. And you won't want to know what happens if you tell anyone. He's gone. Okay. Gone. Okay.
Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Today's house was written by Matthew O.K. Smith, with dialogue editing by Zoe Davis, soundscaping by Matthew O.K. Smith, music by Alex Schwartz, and art by Cloudy Appleart. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. Wilbur is voiced by Andrew Mercator. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend, because they might tell a friend, and they might tell a friend, and they might tell a friend, and who knows, eventually God might finally, finally listen to us. Today's sponsored spray is Sybil's Special Stain Solvent. Suspicious sanguine spatter stinking up your space? Sybil's Solvent can smash that stain. Now comes in a strawberry scent. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.